Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. happened last week. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, one of our core values here at Foundation Church is to stay a place where the lost can become found. You know what that means? We have to stay a messy church. It's not about becoming a country club. It's not about becoming a museum of saints. It's about being a mission. It's about being a place where the lost can become found. Um, And I love what our church, what is happening in our church because not only are the lost becoming found, but changing equals growing is what we believe. And we're seeing people changed by the power of Jesus Christ. And it's transforming their life. I mean, it is, it's so awesome. It's so fun to get to do this every week. Um, We're so glad that you're here. My name is Justin Graves, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at Foundations Church. Um, If you're tuning in online, thanks for tuning in. If you're checking us out, because you're not sure if this church has snakes or not, I don't know where my buddy is. Um, He knows who he is. Um, But, uh, you know, we don't have snakes, um, just the first Sunday of each week. So, um, but... And let me stop real quick. I've got one of my roommates from college here, Jeff Weisbrough. He's in the back left. Um, if you happen to see him, don't believe a word he says about me. So, but thanks for being here, Jeff. Uh, a couple of things real quick. For all the parents of kids and teenagers, one thing we believe here at Foundation Church is we believe big time in the next generation. We want to partner with parents. We don't want you to feel like you're on an island by yourself and you're like, good luck with that. We'll, we'll dedicate them to the Lord, but after that, see you later. Um, this Wednesday night from 7 to 8 for all parents, there's going to be a youth service here at FC Students. But also, there is going to be a point after the worship for the parents. The students are going to go to their small groups, and we are going to be talking, actually, our youth director is going to be talking, Michael and Aubrey, Michael and Aubrey Ballard are going to be talking about, man, just how do, how do we as parents, how can we help our kids not do anything they shouldn't be doing or really hurt themselves with technology through cell phones, via texting, via apps that we should be looking for, where kids get it wrong. Because parents, can I tell you, this is a big, big area that I need help, you need help, so please be here. Invite your friends to come, because I don't know of a parent that does, I don't really care about technology and what, what my kids are looking at and what they're not. You need to be involved in your kid's life, because I say it all the time, and I'll say it again, I said it last week, you get what you inspect as a parent, not what you expect. And so come and be a part of this as they equip us in this time from seven to eight this Wednesday. Don't don't miss it. This week we are continuing our series called Elephant in the Room. And uh, last week we talked about what do you do? How do you handle conflict? Because conflict is a big, big part 
of our life. We talked about, you know, kind of a Band-Aid approach, man. You just gotta grip it and rip it, man. You gotta deal with it. Um, Because dealing with it, having that quick, awkward conversation and telling the truth in love is way better than just letting it foster and fester because if you avoid your elephant, it's gonna keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and creating more and more chaos. Um, Next week, we are gonna be talking about the big elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about in churches, especially pastors. Next week, we're gonna talk about politics. Yeah. We're gonna have all the Democrats sit here and all the, uh, the Republicans sit here, um, and you guys get to point, and yes. Um, anyways, uh, but, but it's gonna be a great, great service. I, am, I will tell you, it's gonna be, it's gonna be tense, but I like tense moments. Um, I think they're fun, and so we're going to be talking about that <laughs> next week. So if you've got somebody, you're like, hey, you need to come here. Um, anyways, I, I, yeah, it's gonna be fun. So, but this week, we're gonna be talking about what do you do when you're the elephant in the room? When you're the one who has created all the chaos, you, me, never. Um, when you are the one who has the bad attitude, what? Um, when you're the person who needs the correction, right? And, and let, me, let me put this to, to parents. Parents, you don't outgrow needing correction. <clears throat> we all need it. Uh, for, for, for a lot of us, we are familiar that if you have a wounded animal or an animal that feels threatened, it's dangerous, right? It's way more dangerous, and, and you kind of avoid it, and you're real careful about it. Can I tell you, people are the same way. People are the exact same way when it comes to correction. And we can feel threatened, we can feel wounded if we don't learn how to handle correction correctly. For a lot of us, man, we, we view correction, <coughs> excuse me, as punishment. Well, God may, must hate me because I can't do anything right. And we get so extreme about it. Well, well, hear what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter three, verse 11 through 13. It says this, my child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you for the Lord corrects those he loves. Just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights, Joyful is the person who finds wisdom and the one who gains understanding. This morning, if you're here and you say, man, I'm looking for a church that gives me more Bible, buckle up, baby, because I got some Bible verses for you today. You can follow on our live version app. You can write down here, but we're going to be in the Bible a ton today. And this verse is saying, man, joyful is the one as a person who finds wisdom and the one who gains understanding. Well, how do you find wisdom and how do you gain understanding? Through correction. Through, through correction. Through discipline. And, and here's the deal. I'm not expecting all of you here today, except this crowd right here, this side. This side you're with me today. I'm not expecting you guys to amen me, except right here. Because hearing a message on correction isn't like, man, that makes me feel so awesome. I mean, yes, I'm ready to be corrected. I'm ready to tell how I've been wrong. No, 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 nobody likes it. But if you and I are gonna live our life to the fullest extent of being the wisest we can and the most knowledgeable we can, we've got to learn how to handle correction. So how does God 
correct us. How does he bring wisdom? How does he bring understanding? There's two, two ways that I have seen um, that God brings correction. There may be more, but for time's sake, I've only got time for two. The first one is this, through his word, through the Bible, the Bible. One reason I say, man, you gotta be a student of the word, you gotta be in the Bible, and you gotta be reading it for yourself is because it instructs us. According to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it says, all scripture is inspired by God. Not just a scripture you like, not just a scripture that kind of backs your point of view up. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. It teaches us what is true, not what I feel is true, but what is actually true. You're not just called to live this life based on your feelings, but based on what does the word of God say about this situation. Even though culture may say this, what does the Bible say about it? Because that is what is true. He uses it to correct us, to show us what is wrong with our lives. This is why I'm saying you got to be in the word on a daily basis basis. You got to be a student of the word because it is alive. It is active. It's how the Holy Spirit speaks to our life is through the word of God. The second way is this, the way that he kind of corrects us and brings correction. He brings wisdom and understanding to our life is others, is others. I, I, I would tell you, if you have your parents, and this is not because my 12-year-old daughter is sitting in service right now, but if you're lucky enough to still have your parents, can I tell you, from the most part, for 90% of us in this place, your parents have your best in mind. They, they really do. Your parents have your best interest in mind. And sometimes they might not say what you want to hear, but they're saying what you need to hear because they love you more than they love your feelings. And if you've got parents around, I would encourage you, as an adult, man, I seek my dad's wisdom. I seek his understanding about topics. And you can ask him. I'm not just saying that because now I'm up on stage. I got to say it because it sounds good. You, you, man, if you're lucky, man, seek their wisdom and their understanding. Learn from their mistakes instead of making the same mistake on your own, man. Your parents want that for you. I want that for my parents. But we, we do good in that area. But where we don't do so good is with others. When friends bring correction, you're like, wait, 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 wait a second, hold on, step back. Who are you? <laughs> you? You see your mess over here? Who, who, are, who are you to bring correction to me? You know, you deal with the beam in your own eye, Bubba, is what the Bible says before you start talking about the speck in mine. Well, we need to understand the content of that scripture too, in the context of that scripture, but I understand what you're saying, but God puts people in your lives. He puts real true friends, not just your Facebook friends. Let's be honest. Oh, friends, they like to post. Shut up. <laughs> real friends that will tell you the real thing, what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. How do you deal with that? How do you deal Woo, we may have to cut this out on this uh, video here. How do you deal with your sibling when they speak something real to you? Because I don't deal with it well at all. <laughs> well, 
I'm a 41-year-old man now. You ain't going to tell me what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do, sis. You're my older sister. You're way older than me. You're not going to tell me what to do. I'm like, no. But, but hear me. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 5 through 6 and 9. And I will say this. If God can use a donkey, he can use your sibling. Um, if... It's biblical. I'm just saying it's biblical. It's in the Bible. <laughs> cut that. Cut. Um. <laughs> getting loose now. It's getting real. Um. Proverbs 27, verse 5 through 6, and we'll skip to verse 9. An open rebuke is better than hidden love. An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Somebody that cares enough to tell you you're wrong instead of just trying to love you through, oh, just be quiet. You know, you know what you need to say to them. You know you need to address the elephant in the room. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. The heartfelt counsel of a friend is the sweetest perfume and incense. And this is where most of us get hung up. It's on the sincere counsel of a friend. It's from a rebuke, a correction from a friend. It's from somebody that cares about us. Man, can I tell you, if you can trust the messenger, you can trust the message. If you can really, if you know the messenger is for you, hear me, as long as it backs up and it's backed up with scripture, you can trust the message they're bringing to you. So, with all this said, with understanding the word of God and others, how we interact with others is going to really determine whether we grow in wisdom and understanding. So how do we handle correction without feeling threatened like a wounded animal or getting wounded? How do we handle, how do we go through correction? I wanna give you a few things this morning. And the first one is this, is that we've gotta to learn to listen rather than lash out. We gotta learn to listen rather than lash out. James chapter one, verse 19 through 20 says this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. When someone attempts to bring correction to you, how are you at listening? When someone attempts to tell you where you've missed it, how are you at listening? Because I will tell you, just being real transparent, I stink at this. I, 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 when, when my wife, me and my wife, we, we have pretty really, well, we have good communication. I'm not gonna say really good, I'm not gonna say pretty, we got really good communication. Let's just throw it out there. We'll talk about just about anything. But when she tells me something I've done wrong, can I tell you, I, I, mm -mm, I don't want to listen. I want to lash out. I am literally, Casey will be talking. I'm just waiting for her just to be quiet. Just shut it down because I've got my point. I'm not listening to you. It's like I could be going nanny, nanny, boo-boo. I don't hear you when she's talking to me. And now Casey knows how I'm working. She's like, ah, not done. Listen. Because she know, I'm just like, I mean, let me list out the five areas. You missed it, Casey. You missed it here. 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 And I don't listen. I'm just ready to lash out. Ready to let her show her the error of her ways. 
show you where you missed it, lady. Um, and can I tell you, your ability to listen is directly connected with your ability to grow. Your ability to listen, your willingness to listen is connected to your ability and your willingness to grow. Are you willing to listen or do you just lash out? Do you just let it out? Boom, I, I heard what you said. Now, now here's what I say. No, 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 no. Are you slow to speak? Are you quick to listen? Are you slow to get angry? Because for some of us, when somebody brings correction, it makes you mad first. You're like, oh, no, no, no. You're not gonna tell me what I did wrong. You just don't listen. You lash out. And can I tell you, if that's you, man, you're missing the opportunity to become more wise and more knowledgeable, and you're missing out on who you could be, and you're just settling for where you are. Are you listening? The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13 and 15. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. Can I tell you, listening receives it and lashing out spouts it out. Are your ears always ready to listen? Are they open for knowledge or are they close to your own opinion? Are they, are they listening so they can learn or are you busy lashing out so you can be right because you can be right and still be wrong? Are, where are you at when you are the elephant in the room? What do you do when you are the gorilla in the corner, the moose on the table, the dinosaur in the park, the elephant in the, whatever phrase you wanna say, how do you listen to the correction or do you lash out? The second way that we, man, we, we, we can handle correction without being wounded or feeling threatened is that we learn to seek for it all instead of knowing it all. We learn to seek for it all instead of knowing it all. Proverbs 18, 12 says this, haughtiness goes before destruction. Humility precedes honor. Pride knows it all. Man, also in this verse, it's called haughtiness. And, and we've got it up there. Haughtiness goes, can you leave it up there real quick? Sorry. Haughtiness goes before destruction. Now, in the Greek, um, I, I took some time this week to kind of dive into the Greek. Um, in the Greek, haughtiness, ha, ha, everybody say, it's kind of spelled out, haughtiness. Haughtiness. In the Greek, it was originally pronounced hot mess, hot mess, <laughs> haughtiness, hot mess, haughtiness, hot mess, getting deep. You've heard the term hot mess, right? You, you know what a hot mess, like, you're like, what's haughtiness? Haughtiness is hot mess in the Greek, um, not really, but for today it is because the pastors always say something in the Greek. Um, it's, it's. <laughs> It's hot mess. If you're a really good pastor, you'll do the Greek and the Hebrew. Um, in Hebrew, it's halakma. Um, haughtiness goes before destruction. If, you, if I say, man, she's a hot mess or he's a hot mess, it means they are out of control and cannot be told. You're just like, woo. 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't even mess with them because they are a hot mess. Their life is spiraling out of control and they can't be corrected. That's what a hot mess is and that's what haughtiness is. And it's saying this, wherever pride is, destruction follows. Wherever pride is, pain is sure to follow. But wherever there is humility, wherever there is a seek-it-all mentality instead of a know-it-all mentality, what follows is honor. A life of honor, a life of knowledge, and a life of wisdom. Proverbs 19, verse 20 and 27 says this, get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of your life. You wanna know how to be wise the rest of your life? Be a seek-it-all. Be somebody who gets all the advice and the instruction you can. Man, tap into people that are doing it better than you. For this series, I met with somebody in our church that, man, he, he handles the elephant in the room a whole lot better than me. and He knows he does. So get all the advice and the wisdom and the instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of your life. Verse 27, if you stop listening to instruction, my child, you will turn your back on knowledge. And I will tell you this, a person who knows it all and can't receive it all will eventually, eventually lose it all. The person who knows it all and can't receive it or receive anything at all will eventually lose it all. Because when you become the elephant in the room that knows it all and can't be corrected at all and won't be humble at all. Everywhere you go as the elephant, you will hurt all, you will wound all, and you will ruin all. Whether that's relationships, whether that's opportunities, whether that is your future. Because pride, a know-it-all attitude, always brings destruction. But you and I are always going to live a life that needs instruction, that needs correction. And God brings us those people and he gives us his word, not because he wants to punish us, not because he wants to point his finger at us, but because he loves us. The third thing I would tell you is this, about how to receive correction without feeling wounded and feeling threatened is this, is move on instead of moping through. Move on instead of moping through. Man, failure is just gonna be a part of life and it's a part of life I don't like. Failing at things, nobody likes to fail at things. Nobody likes to miss the mark. Nobody likes to be Wrong, but there's gonna be moments where you fail. There's gonna be moments where you just got it wrong, whether intentionally or unintentionally. And, and listen to this quote by Mark Batterson out of his book, Chase the Line. He said, mismanaged success is the leading cause of failure, and well-managed failure is the leading cause of success. Well-managed failure is the leading cause of of success. Can I tell you, you've got to be responsible for your response when it comes to failing. You got to be responsible for your response when you mess up, when you miss the mark. You got to be responsible for your response when somebody brings correction. You can't mope about being wrong. Some of us, we get wrong and we just hate it and we just, inside, we're just sitting down like a little two year old, like, nah, I don't like this. 
you took away my cookies, you didn't give me juice, this day stinks, you know, you just, you just sit down like a little kid on the inside, like, I am not listening, you're wrong, I don't like this, you hate me now, you hate me, because you told me something that I didn't like to hear. And our insides are like this. Ah! And listen to me, you're gonna fail. It's part of it, you're gonna be wrong. But well-managed failure leads to success. And you can mope about it, you can pout about it, and think nobody likes you, or you can move on from it. And if you're a person here that you're a moper, you know you're a moper, do not poke them right now, spouse. You're a moper. You know you are. Can I tell you, you're not alone. One of the most biblical people in the Bible, a man named Samuel, was a moper. In fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1 out of the message, it says this. And what has happened is that God had uh, told Samuel, the people wanted a king, and Samuel went and picked a guy named Saul. And Saul was a disaster of a pick as a king, right? For some of us that we know, he's like playing Ouija board and hanging out with witches, and he starts making sacrifices that aren't supposed to be his sacrifice to make. And this is, uh, Samuel talking to Saul is the point that a lot of us have heard, but we, we say it to our kids, obedience is better than sacrifice. You didn't obey, so you sacrificed your weak. You didn't obey, so you're sacrificing your phone, right? So you're like, I never knew that. Now you can be biblical up in your house. Um, (laughs) And so the context coming from Samuel addressing Saul, and in 1 Samuel 16, 1, God addressed Samuel. So how long are you going to mope over Saul? How how long are you going to have a pity party? You know I've rejected him as king over Israel, So fill your flask with anointing oil and get going. I love that. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've spotted the very king I want among his sons. And there's so many different ways to preach this verse that's so good. But how long are you gonna mope over Saul? How long are you gonna mope over what could have been? How long are you going to mope over your mistake? How long are you going to mope over your Saul moment? Because can I tell you, you cannot step into your future until you decide to move on from your past. Some of you, your future is on hold, not because of other people, not because of what other people, yeah, you know what, people have been mean to you, people have done you wrong, but you know what, you've just been moping about it and you can't step into who God has for you because you're moping about what has happened to you. Step into your, move on instead of moping through your life because here's the deal with Samuel. And I, I'm closing with this. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing it down, downtown right now. For some of us here, you're still moping about your Saul moment. Well, Justin, I, I, I blew it here. I mean, I made the wrong decision. I compromised here what I shouldn't have compromised. I hurt somebody here where I shouldn't have hurt him, and now it's cost me a relationship. Now it cost me this opportunity. I made a mistake financially here, and now, now it has ruined me for so long. And you're moping about it when, de- when God still has a David moment ahead for you. Can I tell you what we remember Samuel for is the anointing of David and becoming, becoming the man of God who was so attuned to what God was saying that he anointed the son that never even got called in by his dad. 
dad, that found the shepherd that became the king, that found the giant killer. Can I tell you, God has a David moment for you, but you gotta move past and you gotta move on from your Saul moment. I know there's been mistakes, but God still has a promise ahead for you. I know that you have regret, but God has forgiveness ahead of you. I know that there's all these things that you wish you didn't have to deal with, but there's so much God has for you that you can look forward to. Stop moping through life and start moving on with the life and the promise and the purpose and the plan that God has for you. That's what God has. Hebrews 12, verse 1 through 2 says this, we're surrounded by a great cloud of people whose lives tell us what faith means. So let us run the race that is before us and never give up. We should remove from our lives anything that would get in the way the Saul moments, the moping moments, the hurting moments, the, the oh, I'm offended moments. We should remove anything from our lives that would get in the way and the sin that so easily holds us back and let us look only to Jesus, the one who began our faith and who makes it perfect. Keep running the race God has for your life. Don't mope through it. Move on to it. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for today. And God, I, I, I just love how you are rewriting stories. Just after first service, Lord, there was a guy that came up to me just after, and he's like, that was my life. I had the choice to mope or to move on. I could mope through it or I could move on to it. I had divorce in my background. I was ruined financially. I had made mistakes, had made mistakes, but now I see what God has brought in my life, the financial provisions, the kids he's brought back, the relationship I thought I would never have again in my life, the trust that has been established, the relationship with parents. God, that's the David moment for us. And so, Lord, I pray if we're here and we're the object of the conflict, we're the one that we've missed it, that we've messed up, God, I pray that we would be receptive, that we would be quick to listen. We'd be slow to speak and slow to become angry. Lord, that we would be a student of your word, that we would be in the word so that we can understand how you're wanting to correct us, how you're wanting to move in us and what you have to equip us for that is ahead. Lord, that's what you use the word of God for. It's not just to tell us the list of things we've done wrong. It's also to equip us for the David moments you have for us ahead. Lord, I pray, move in us. Lord, I pray that we would stay humble, that we would stay a seeker of it all instead of coming to a place where we think we've arrived, where we've become haughty. Lord, I, I pray just move in us today. And Lord, I pray for every single one of us in this place that we would learn to handle correction with grace, with mercy, with goodness, and that we would be well managers of our failures, of our slow moments. And that we wouldn't stay there, but we would move on because you have something great for us. You have successes. You have David moments ahead of us. Lord, be with us today. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here this morning, and you say, Justin, I'm here, and I've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of my life, we want to give you that chance. 
Maybe you're here today and you say, Justin, you know what? I'm just not where I need to be in my relationship with him. I need, I need to recommit my life because I know I'm not where I am. Man, you can keep playing games or we can get just real in this place. Can I tell you one thing I love about this church? It's just real people living real life to a real Savior who makes real changes. And can I tell you, he wants to do that in your life. But it's never going to happen until you decide to get real about where you are in this first moment, this first decision. And I'm going to count to three. And if today you're here and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life, but you want to, or you're here and you say, Justin, I'm just not where I need to be, and I need to recommit my life to him. When I count to three, I want you to lift your hand, and we're going to lead you in a prayer that will change your life. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to lead you to another room. We're just going to lead you in a prayer that will change it all. One, two, three. Is there anyone here? Yeah, there's one hand, there's two hands, there's three, there's four, there's five. Is there anyone else? You say, Justin, I want to join these hands. There's six. Is there anyone else? You say, Justin, that's me. I see on the side. There's seven. Anyone else? You say, Justin, that's me today. It's just real right now, and this is where I'm at, and there needs to be a change in my life. Is there anyone else before we go any further in service, and you join these seven hands that are lifted? Yeah, I see your hand in the back. There's eight hands. Anyone else before we go any further? If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and I confess that I've sinned, that I've messed up, but I ask for your forgiveness. God, I ask that your grace and love would enter my life. I turn away from the life that I was living to grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give these eight individuals that raised their hands a huge round of applause? Yeah, what an awesome moment. If you're here today and you raised your hand, do this for us. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.